Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. What's the worst lie your brother or sister ever got away with? That I stole $20 of his money in the Gold Coast and he got another $20. If you lie, you get punished. What sort of punished? Well, smacked. I get into big trouble, get something taken off me. I feel pretty stink. I mean, it's not something I would usually do. Guilty. Say you stole something and you blamed it on someone else and then they got really upset and then... Chaos. I actually don't feel that bad because like, I don't really get uh, caught and if I do get caught, the punishment's actually not that bad. Usually I like blame it on my brother. He's usually the one that does everything. One side of your head would want to and one would say just keep it because then you'll probably get in big trouble because the more you leave it, the more you'll get in trouble. parents the world over want the very best for their children's future. We know that our child's experience of life in the very early years does much to determine who they become. As parents, sometimes we feel we have only a few short years to get it right when it comes to influencing the shape and nature of our child's character or personality. This tension between a parent's drive to foster and shape the development of their child and the child's own need to express their individuality can result in conflict, stress, anxiety, and lots and lots of lies. Hi, I'm Duncan Smith. This is Pants on Fire, the Fibber's Guide to Lies, Lying and Liars. In this episode, we look at the lies we tell as we're growing up and try and figure out what they say about us. We explore the way our lying evolves as we navigate a path from the so-called terrible twos to our peak period of dishonesty as truth-wise terrible teens. So my friend was saying that her eight-month-old was crawling towards a power point and of course she didn't mum didn't want to have the little girl touching it so she said no and the little girl looked at her and started to engage with mum and they were going at each other and giggling. This is Gabriella Whitman a child psychotherapist in private practice in Wellington. And she was engaging mum to be distracted as well although mum had said no don't touch it she could see that the little hand would go behind her back and still fiddle with the point. So that is sort of a deceitful little moment already. And that was an eight-month-old. It seems that eight months old is early for deceitful behaviour like that. 
I asked Gabriella at what age we normally expect to find our children starting to tell us lies. We normally think at age two to three that there's more that understanding, that there's another person with a different mind. Lying is a part of normal development and it is in the service of a child, particularly with young children. So they learn and understand quite early in life that there is another person with different thoughts. I get that a child becomes aware of themselves as a separate entity, an individual if you like, but I'm not quite so sure why this self-awareness manifests as lying. When they're a little older, then it works for them not to get into trouble. You know, when they have done something, they have the consciousness of having done something wrong. Then it's trying out, it's finding out what that is. I avoid getting into trouble. We all do that all through our life. And we need to learn (laughs) how that works. So with having the lying happening, it's a trying out. When I get into trouble and I lie... Sometimes I get away with it. it. You get away with it? Oh, so I get what I want? That is another sort of thing? Um, I probably just admit it straight away because if you kept telling lies for a longer period of time, you probably just get bigger punishments. It gets worse. It's easy to see that getting what you want or getting away with it will have appeal. I asked Simon Keller, Professor of Philosophy at Victoria University, who we heard from the first episode of Pants on Fire, what we know about the way that children's lying evolves as they grow older. It takes a bit of skill, a bit of socialisation for children to learn when it's okay to lie and when it's not. Why is it okay to tell a lie when someone says, how do I look in my new dress? But it's not okay to tell a lie when someone says, who ate all the chocolate? Now, that takes a bit of learning to work out. But I think that the other reason is just that um, it takes time for children to develop empathy and they develop it in different ways and at different rates. But a big part of understanding when it's okay to lie and what's wrong with lying when it's not okay involves the skill of taking someone else's point of view and understanding what you're doing to somebody else when you intentionally mislead them. And that takes some sophistication and it's something that I think children learn as, as they get older. If you tell the person the truth, they'll be really sad so that you can tell them a lie and then later, once they won't be really sad. It's one thing to think, all right, how can I get what I want? How can I avoid getting in trouble for eating all the chocolate? But it's something else to think, what in achieving that goal am I doing and what am I doing to other people in doing it? And if part of the answer is, well, I'm misleading my parents or I'm causing somebody to go looking for the real culprit once they've thought that it's not me, then you start to think about other people's interests and other people's points of view and you can start to see that those things matter. Well, again, coming back to that point about the way that we behave is the product of reinforcement. This is Mark Wilson, a professor in the School of Psychology at Victoria University, another pants-on-fire stalwart. Children learn very quickly that there are a variety of different types of reinforcement. There's the back of the hand or your favourite toy being taken away, and that's what they're trying to avoid in that situation. Um, so they tend to be very much more sort of threat-averse than they are reward-seeking. Um, 
And in that kind of scenario, it, it makes perfect sense that to get it, try and avoid a punishment, you're going to say, no, I didn't do anything. Usually I'd like blame it on my brother. He's usually the one that does everything. Here's Gabriella Whitman again. A child can feel threatened when there is the withdrawal of love. Threatened about a safe and protected environment. When this continues with other things, not only with lying, not being talked to, not being listened to, having to be seen, not heard, then a child will try to get something. So there's an attention-seeking element with negative behaviours. We've mostly been considering these questions in relation to quite young children. I wonder whether our behaviour in this regard changes when we hit the teenage years. In our teenage years, we sort of rework quite a few things from our toddler years, really. Gabriella went on to talk about the period of experimentation that teenagers go through, where they try things out, including lying, to see what can be achieved, what works and what doesn't. And also an element of how can I manipulate someone by you know, telling a story, building my self-esteem by a story I've told, which contains my anxiety when I feel actually quite anxious when I'm with my peers. So making up a story could be seen as a lie, but has a different quality to a lie. Lying can clearly be many things. Getting our own way, avoiding blame, attention-seeking, the list goes on and on. One way or another, we're reinforced for doing so. As we gain an understanding of ourselves as separate and individual, the capacity to deceive others also grows. It's interesting that with the development of empathy, we begin to understand the impact our lies can have. It all starts very, very early in life. If lying is not contained by parents or caregivers and you get told off and you get punished in a way which doesn't really help the capacity for having empathy, that gets demolished and therefore lying becomes part of life, which is a very sad thing, isn't it? For people to not be able to be themselves to actually lie their way through life. We'll shift our focus now to lies in the period which many find challenging, the difficult teenage years. Tired of being good Hard to keep my side Do you tell many lies? Um... 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 um sort of, maybe? Definitely. Usually where they are who they're with, what they're doing, things people have said, often in my family, who ate what. Probably some lying to parents. I feel guilty. I still feel guilty. Even if I guess I get away with it, I feel bad about it. Accidentally gloss over the truth sometimes. Something to protect someone or... And you find out that they've lied from another source, it's always the most hurtful and impactful. I mean, one of the interesting things we know is that lying tends to peak 
during adolescence, during the teenage years. So the most honest people within society tend to be very young children or senior citizens. And as children become more skilled uh, in terms of narrating, uh, so, so does the skill in terms of picking up the capacity to lie develop. And as I say, it peaks during adolescence. This is John Griffiths, who works as a family counsellor at a New Zealand public hospital. Also with, with adolescents, there is a sense in which they are beginning to try to individuate and uh, assume autonomy and are wanting to create a space which is private and lying often functions for them in terms of being able to give them some expediency around that. So, for your teenager, a lie can be a means of expressing their individuality of declaring that they're a separate entity to their parent or parents. Individuation, the the, the process of separating off from their parents uh, and becoming their own person, being evasive about the truth or lying, serves as a function within that to push away the adults who they feel might be over-intrusive. I think that adolescents are also testing out boundaries, uh, taking risks in a way that they hadn't previously so a lot of their behaviours become more testing and cause more concern amongst those around them who are there to support them and encourage them and love them and keep them safe. There are more questions directed towards them about their behaviours. So we have teens testing out sometimes risky behaviours and resisting overly intrusive parenting. No wonder we have some highly anxious mums and dads. I know from personal experience that dealing with a teen can feel like tiptoeing through a minefield. Where parents are at most vulnerable is when there are concerns that the behaviour may be putting their child or someone else at risk. And, you know, you could think of uh, an obvious example would be if you were concerned and there was some evidence that your child was taking drugs, for example, driving a car whilst using alcohol and so on and so forth. There would be clear examples. Uh, I mean, nobody would struggle with understanding why a parent would be, would be worried about that type of behaviour. And if they thought that every time they tried, even perhaps really skillfully, to broach a, a conversation with their child around those behaviours, that they were being met with, with lies, because obviously the child, if they were engaged in those activities, would want to protect themselves from the loss of privileges, which might follow if they're open and honest about it. Right. The parent then inevitably is sitting with a high degree of anxiety about how to know for sure uh, what, it, what is happening for their child and how to continue to protect them and love them and keep them safe in the way that it's their uh, obligation and duty to do. Teens on lies and lying. They're not actually willing or going to come forward and tell you that they've lied. Those are the ones that count the most, in my opinion. Makes you feel pretty bad, I think. Like you've done something that you shouldn't have and you've kind of betrayed someone. People find themselves like excusing what they've done, like trying to think of like why they did it. And there's a lot of like telling yourself that what you did was the right thing and trying to convince yourself as much as convincing the other person. Friends lying, things like that. Definitely being hit for. This develops over like the first, I don't know, two and a half decades of our development is our executive functioning. So this is associated with the, the front part of our brain, the frontal lobes, and that's the part of the brain that says, hang on a sec, let's think this through. Here's Mark Wilson again. So in young men, it's the part of the brain that says, maybe it's not a good idea to climb onto the top of the car while it's going. And because 
infants and young children have this faculty at its least developed, they don't stop to think through the consequences in the same way that an adult might. So if I'm if I'm if I've just you know been seen bashing someone, for example, and the police officer says, did you bash them? I saw you do it. I'm going to stop and I'm going to go, I could say I didn't do it, but actually they saw me do it. And it's quite likely that the consequences would be even more severe if I deny it and I'm shown to be lying later on. So little kids don't necessarily do this. It's basically a failure of impulse control. Impulsive behaviour coupled with dishonesty. There's little wonder that this can lead to an erosion of trust within the family and a good deal of conflict. That is my day-to-day work, is, is sitting in, in, a, in a room with people who are dealing with their relationships that, for whatever reason, have become fraught and difficult. So that is a central concern for me, about finding a balance within the room that I work between the parents and the young person as to how they can resolve the difficulties that they have to live a more fruitful and balanced life and with, with mutual respect uh, re-established if that's fallen away. What happens if this bond of trust gets severely eroded? Well, people become angry with each other and frustrated and um, distant. Uh, And then they become hot and angry again and then distant. So relationships will zip along a spectrum in ways which are unhelpful wherever they are on that spectrum because there's there's a tension there. The the lack of trust has, has eroded the real potential that exists in conversation and communication, um, it, you know, because ev- every encounter becomes, um, from the child's view, accusatory, right. and uh, from the adult's position, uh, an urge to interrogate. You know, that's when things are really bad, obviously, and and most households sit with some of that stuff some of the time but function reasonably well most of the time. But when you've got a family that comes to our service and that's one of the key issues, they will be in those very tight corners. Do all families have an expectation of honesty? They do, they do. And people become disappointed and and angry when it's found not to be the case. And I think then part of the job that I do is to get people to settle and not to to get panicky about that and to begin to normalise some of the behaviours, because lying is normal, um, and to work out what what function it's serving for the people in the family, and if we're talking about the teenager, what function it's serving for the teenager. Which makes me wonder what teenagers do lie about. This girl I had never met was messaging me on Facebook one day and asked me if I wanted to go to the movies with her and her friends, and I just thought, why not? Could be a bit of fun. Then the day we were going, I asked her who was going with us and she was like, oh, no, uh, it's just me. And I was like, oh, well, eeks. And then, a couple of hours later, I told her I had food poisoning. I think it's more when people, like, withholding truth is where where I've probably been hurt or other people close to me have been hurt. Now, normally teenagers will be lying for some of the stuff we've already touched on, which is uh, to protect their privacy, um, to help them individuate from their parents and from, you know, protecting themselves from sharing every detail of their lives with their parents. They want some kind of uh, fencing off around that. And, uh, you know, the, the anxieties they have about their parents being over-intrusive. They also lie about other things, which is about avoiding doing something that they prefer not to do uh, and to avoid getting into trouble for something that they've already done but don't want to be made visible about, you know. Some teenagers lie because they created a, a distorted. They want to create a distorted picture of themselves. If they're struggling with some aspect of their self-esteem, they may 
magnify or exaggerate or distort in other ways uh, descriptions of what they do and how their lives are. Um, and, and that's because they're perhaps sitting with some degree of sadness about not being the person they would like to be. And that form of lying you could, you could categorise as a form of uh, cry for help. These can be tricky situations for a parent. On the one hand, we feel let down by our child if they're lying to us, and on the other, we care desperately about them and want nothing more than for them to be safe and happy. It's a form of expediency which we have to kind of sit with and kind of normalise to some degree and then find out the finer tuning about how it's functioning for the, for the adolescent and if we've got a real problem here that they need help with. As well as dealing with the kind of the aftermath of parents sitting with a degree of feeling let down by their child because of, of, of the, the behaviour around lying. So we have to deal with the behaviour, the lying, and how that's impacted on people, but we also have to deal with what is it in terms of the behaviour that's been lied about and how are we going to respond to that. There are families under ever-increasing pressure from a host of negative economic and social drivers. So I wonder whether the vital role that families have played in establishing a shared commitment to honesty has been watered down, especially if children are raised in homes with no bond of trust amongst family members. Will this acceptance of dishonesty become the norm for the next generation? Well, it certainly would, yes. If you, if you have a family, a family network where there isn't a desire to model honesty and to... Uh, value that overtly as a virtue, then you will have consequences through the generations. I'm not saying that that's, you know, absolutely for sure, but it's not good news in terms of what's coming next. You know, children will take a huge amount from how they're parented into their own parenting later. So in that sense, you know, as soon as a family can re-establish a balance that works for them and has its foundation in these types of values, the better it is for future generations, for the next children and the grandchildren and so forth. It's clear the vital role parents play in shaping who our children become and the way they live their lives. The future of our world will be determined by the children we're raising today. In this episode, we've tried to explore our baby steps as liars. We've heard that lying's entirely normal and can be positive, that one way or another we're reinforced for telling lies, either through getting what we want or getting away with it, that some lies have a useful function of protecting the feelings of those we care about. We've also learned that in the teenage years much of the lying is an expression of individuality and resistance to too much intrusion into their world. So, one way or another, lying it seems is central to the way we deal with each other and the world. All in all, a pretty darn clever way of smoothing out the rough and tumble of human interaction. Which brings this podcast to a close. In the next episode, we'll go in search of the real Ernest Dickens in a sweetheart scam and find out about the Spanish prisoner, a confidence trick developed in the late 18th century but still making megabucks for online predators today. I hope you'll join me. And remember... Only intoxicated people, children and leggings always tell the truth. I'm Duncan Smith and this is Pants on Fire, the Fibber's Guide to Lies, Lying and Liars.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.